This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, 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 deep. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. It's about that time. Well, it's 15 minutes later than normal. Yeah, we just, you know, we switch it up. That, uh, we switch the, it up. The coaching philosophy conversation, we wanted to make sure we got all that. Exactly, but we still want to make sure that we break down some of the biggest football questions of the day for us today with Four Down Territory. Are you ready for these? I'm ready. Let's go. Number one. Question one. Former Ohio State quarterback Tate Martell receives a waiver from the NCAA and has been cleared to play in 2019 at Miami. Has that set a dangerous precedent in college football? I don't know if it's a dangerous precedent, but it definitely changes the way that you look at this process and I, I think it opens the floodgates to policy change and one that I think has been needed to make but it's also dangerous because now you're going to have college football players across the board uh, transferring every year and it's almost going to become like free agency uh, that's that's something that's kind of scary when you look at that I, it's an it's a Pandora's box that you're kind of opening here the other thing that I look at it is not just for Tate Martell but you've looked at the guys that have been able to get waivers over the last two years Shea Patterson, Michigan. Justin Fields going to Ohio State. Tate Martell now going to Miami. What are the three things in common? The three things in common is, one, they're quarterbacks, and two, that they hired big-time lawyers to go after the NCAA. And to me, you're putting a precedent that, okay, if you've got the money and the power to get a lawyer, a high-priced lawyer to go after the NCAA, then that's the only people that can make those get those waivers cleared. So what about the guys that can't afford that? Right. What, what about, about the random a wide receiver or if you're a safety or a running back who actually takes more hits than would a quarterback who correct. risks injury and, and could face a big risk sitting out a year? Yes, and comes from a lower income family. That To me, that, that shows disparity. That isn't fair uh, from what I've seen. So you're setting a dangerous precedent uh, as the NCAA, which makes me believe that this policy needs to be changed immediately and opened up to all players not just quarterbacks that essentially have privilege and the ability to hire these big high-priced lawyers. Is it bad if it opens up to all players where there is no sit-out-a-year-when-you-transfer? It's scary. It's certainly scary. scary. Yeah. Do you think it, overall it's it's better over, in general? I yes. mean, I know there's pros and cons to both. It's not it's not a black-and-white issue. No, it, it's not a black-and-white issue. With one thing, there's, there's pros and cons and, and vice versa. I believe there's more pros because at least this is one thing that you're giving players empowerment Whereas college coaches, they can recruit you to a certain place and be gone the very next day. And we have seen that happen time and time again. So why is it okay for for college coaches to deceive and recruit kids to that university and leave and have the kid left high and dry to in literally a leave before right. uh, a big bowl game. Correct, and, and 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 these kids are are stuck. They're not playing for the coach that they originally went there for, uh, whether it was the position coach or the head coach. And so now this adds a little bit, like I said, empowerment to the player where they can get out of those situations uh, if need be. The only thing that is troubling is now you can essentially create all star teams in the recruiting process because it becomes free agency without any money to have to give up or spend. It's just recruiting. So you can have a dominant player from 
Marshall University, then transferred to Alabama, uh, and and now that Marshall is left in a bad spot. Alabama just continues to keep piling on the talent uh, from the high school level and the college ranks. So th- there is dangerous precedent, but at the same time, if you're going to do it for these guys, you have to make it fair for everybody else. Number two. Coming up later this hour, we're going to be talking about a big name free agent that uh, has been mocked to Seattle. Not linked, but mocked. Mm. But what I want to know is what would your dream free agent signing be for Seattle right now, based on who's available? As of right now? As of right now. As of right now, sign me up for either Justin Houston or Ziggy Ansah. Those are the two guys right now that I look at that could bring a ton of value to this team. You're getting elite pass rushers and hopefully on a valued deal, you know, you're going to pay around eight, eight to nine million, maybe add some more with incentives. But those are guys that can absolutely be a difference maker and have been for numerous years. Iggy Ansa or Ziggy Ansa, sorry, uh, he's a guy that is one of the elite pass rushers, just been injury plagued uh, all of last season. Justin Houston still has plenty of production, just got too expensive for the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, those are two guys that I would love to see signed to Seattle. Is it realistic? I don't know, but I'd love to see it. Number three. Let's get into some UW football, shall we? Let's do it. Washington sat comfortably atop the Pac-12 in men's hoops this year. Can we expect a dominant year from UW football? That's a good question. I I firmly believe that this UW team is primed to uh, make a real run. And the reason why I say that is, yes, you lose Jake Browning. You lose Miles Gaskins, Ben Burke Hervin, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy. uh, It's a lot of names. Caleb McGarry, right? (laughs) That's a lot of names. But when you really look at it, there's only three guys you lost on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Only a few on the defensive side. Greg Gaines is another one. But that's the point of recruiting is when you have an established program like the University of Washington has and the way Jimmy Lake is able to recruit on the defensive side, they continue to reload. Reload. They don't they don't drop off at all. And on the offensive side, you lose three huge contributors, but I believe you have enough talent at the running back position by committee to get it done. And it will it's we'll wait to see. Obviously the production Jake Browning has given uh, but it, is it Jacob Hayner, an unproven guy, or is it Jacob Eason, who is a potential who first round talent? Kind of just assuming, right? It, he's got to go out and earn it. But if he could replace and be and play at the level that everyone's expecting him to play, you've essentially upgraded at that position with all of your skill players returning and four of your five offensive linemen returning. So to me, there's a lot of expectations for this team, and I think that they absolutely should be at the top of the Pac-12. How's this class coming in right now? Very good. It's a very good class. Uh, they recruited heavily on the on the defensive line, uh, so you're going to have a ton of talent there. But also, there is a lot of depth on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who ends up stepping in as a true freshman and playing, uh, but uh, or do they all redshirt because there is already a, enough talent and depth at, at, on that side of the ball? We'll we'll see. Who's a player I'm keeping an eye on? I'm adding two extra questions I didn't even tell you about. <laughs> if uh, I'm a, if I'm a UW fan, who am I watching? Yeah, I, I think that you the quarterback battle is the thing that. You, everybody is going to keep an eye on very, very closely because 
Uh, everyone is invested in the quarterback position, obviously. Uh, is Jacob Hayner the guy because he can you know, run the system better than anybody and has great confidence and anticipation? Or is Jacob Eason going to take over and be that guy that is the first-round talent, is everything that everyone's expecting him to be? Uh, the other guy that I would really point to is really the receiver position. And, and, the, and the one guy that I would really look to is how can Coach Adams, Junior Adams, make a difference in that receiver group uh they they brought him on he was a former coach at boise state uh has traveled around a little bit was an offensive coordinator at western kentucky uh had great success there can he get those guys to perform at an extremely high level and because there's a lot of talent in that in that group just the production hasn't necessarily been reflective of that all right last one number four you believe the latest mock drafts that have top QB prospects dropping to the bottom half of the first round? Yeah, this one, these were recent, actually, these mock drafts, and it was surprising to see that they are mocking uh, Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke to, to slide down the first round, and I, I believe it's because everybody has, you know, uh, anointed this defensive line group as the best in, in years. And so when you're looking at from a pure talent standpoint, then that makes a ton of sense. However, uh, the quarterback position comes at a premium, and you've got a couple teams at the very, very top that are in a huge quarterback need. And Dwayne Haskins uh, reportedly sat down with the New York Giants uh, yesterday, or is scheduled to sit down with them today after his pro day. To me, that's a huge sign. Also, the Denver Broncos, they got rid of Case Keenum leaving an opportunity to sign a Drew uh, or draft a Drew Locke to sit behind Joe Flacco for a little bit. Uh, I, I just I can't see those guys dropping into the late rounds. Uh, NFL teams are, are too desperate to find their next franchise quarterback, and these guys have potential. We're going to move on from quarterback and focus on wide receiver. We've got some news that affects the Seahawks wide receiver group right now. Yes, right we now. Do. We'll break that down next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to another Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacey Rost. He's Jake Heaps. Got some Seahawks news today. Mike Garofolo, and here's the thing. I just tried before we started doing this to figure out, well, by I, I mean Jake tried to help me out to figure <laughs> out whether it's Garofolo or Garofolo. Yes. And everyone always mispronounces my last name. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I understand the struggle. So if it's wrong, it's like, look, man, it's happened to me too. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, just. That's just, fair. It's fair. It's definitely fair. And and you know what? If they got a problem with it, they can contact you personally. Exactly. Just ensure that you know his name. But I mean, why should you know it? My guy, Mike, of NFL Network, <laughs> is reporting that Doug Baldwin is seeing a specialist in Philadelphia about a possible sports hernia. So he says Baldwin's slated to see William Myers in Philly soon in regards to that possible sports hernia. According to a source, early April is what I was told. So that would be presumably the third. And that's a rough estimate. Who knows? But presumably the third surgery, Pete Carroll I think confirmed at the Combine that Baldwin had surgeries to address uh, issues, I think a shoulder and knee that he'd been dealing with all season. They were um, issues, especially that knee. He had injuries to both knees that kept him sidelined for a couple games. To me, with the Jordy Nelson news, it's something that I think is making folks question how healthy is the wide receiver group. 
I'm assuming Doug Baldwin is going to come back fine. Surgeries aren't uncommon in the offseason. Yeah. I think it just becomes tough when you get older um, because it's harder to recover and you're pitting your body through a lot, even though you're young in real life. Yeah. Um, it's It just becomes tough. But it does bring up a question of Seattle's top receiver is is now dealing with some additional health issues. You had Tyler Lockett step up. Baldwin was able to step up when he could play. He had a great game against Oakland, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do you have there? What do you do? What moves do you make? Does it matter if you're a run-first team? I mean, do yeah. you need big guys? What's the deal there? Well, with Doug Baldwin, I think the biggest thing that, that concerns me is, is that we already know that he had a knee and a shoulder surgery earlier this year in this offseason after the season was over. And so now you're talking about additional surgeries that are going on early May or early April, sorry. And that is right around the start of when OTAs Mm -hmm. begin. Now, there's different levels of OTAs. Uh, You know, the beginning of, you know, when the Seahawks report is around April 15th. And from that time until the draft, it's really low key. Uh, There's not a whole lot going on. The coaches aren't really out there with you. Uh, until like a week before the draft. Um, and so Doug's not going to miss out on really a whole lot of uh, of key things going on. You're really just hoping that he can be fully healthy by training camp. And and so that's the big thing that you, that you want to uh, try and figure out. And with Doug, obviously, he's a very critical thinker. And he's going to there, – there's a lot for him life after football. So he's absolutely evaluating his decisions on – you know, does he want to put his body through another year uh, or or does he want to continue to stick it out? And he's got $10 million on the table for one more year left on his deal. And and we'll see what happens after that. I, I fully anticipate Doug wanting to return and wanting to play and being 100% committed to that. Um, but this just adds another, you know, wrinkle into the plan. So that's where, you know, you, you talk about Jordy Nelson, uh, as we did yesterday, I think that's where these conversations start becoming more legitimate. If Doug isn't able to return healthy, who do you have as a legitimate number two? Yeah. And you saw the difference with Doug out there and with Doug not not in the lineup. And there's a significant drop-off, especially uh, not only in production, but also for Russell Wilson being comfortable. He obviously is very comfortable with Tyler. Uh, David Moore he had his moments. But, you but know, statistically, Russell's best part of a season was in 2015 when him and Doug Baldwin were on the same page and they they had that amazing stretch of what five or six games yes. where they were breaking all kinds of records I mean that was also Wilson's best performance of his career yeah and when Doug came back after his initial round of injuries uh, you just saw how important he was to Russell uh, Russell last year was throwing balls in in tighter windows and with greater anticipation uh, than any other receiver outside of outside of Lockett and Baldwin and so for the rest of the group, you talk about David Moore, Jerron Brown, uh, a guy that I think you know people are overlooking that is a name to watch out for is Malik Turner. Uh, Malik Turner is a guy who... Former track star, right? Yeah, he, he had uh, an opportunity to get different uh, opportunities to play and, and had some receptions for the Seahawks. And he's a guy, he's a big-bodied guy um, and, and could develop into a nice player for them. Uh, but again, he's got to show tremendous growth from last year to this year. So I, I would feel more comfortable adding another veteran presence just in case if Doug uh, was was uh, unable to come back or not play the entire year um, because Doug's such a huge part of this mm-hmm. deal. No, I think, I think it just marks uh, really the first time 
or at least for for most Seahawks fans, that you're looking at this group, it's always been, okay, Doug Baldwin, now Tyler Lockett, and then who do you have behind that? And that's not um, any disrespect to the rest of the players, but that cast has been a changing cast. Yes, it has. And this is about the first time for a lot of fans that they're wondering, okay, what if Doug Baldwin, I mean, assuming he's entering this final year, which I think most people are assuming, and he's still got that year on the deal. Um, again, he's only 30, which isn't especially young, but it's it's not uh, like a Brandon Marshall, you're 35 and you're coming into right. training camp with a new camp. This is a guy who turned 30, knows the team, um, is taking care of his body. The surgeries are happening early in the off season. So, Correct. so we'll see how that goes. But it's a position group that has mostly been overlooked or not a focus because it's been either a focus on the run game, a focus on issues with the offensive line, then the focus on their respective improvement, focus on the defense, the secondary, once again, a focus on the loss of stars there. And overlooked has been Doug Baldwin's contribution on offense uh, in the receiving game, having been the top receiver every single year, with the exception of one year that he's been in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And for Russell Wilson and for the offense, you've had that guy that you can depend on and lean on. Tyler Lockett had a stellar year last season. Um, even if he is able to replicate that, you still have to wonder who you have there. So I don't know if – is it a bad move to draft a receiver? I'm just no. I'm just like, let's get crazy with that, it. Well, that's the thing, Stacey, is you almost are, are – you're in this position where you need to and have to. Yeah. Uh, if you're not able to spend money on uh, a legitimate – X receiver, a guy who can and play good ball, and and I keep bringing up Jordy Nelson's name. It's just to give an example, not necessarily saying that we should be signing Jordy Nelson, uh, but with that kind of production, that kind of history, um, and a guy who can still play. Like you said, this isn't a Brandon Marshall comparison where he's 35, he's on his last legs for sure. Jordy could still be a a big contributor, you know, not an All Pro level player, but a big contributor. Um, so if you're not going to go down that route, then you absolutely have to bolster this roster through the draft. And can you find a guy that can contribute in the in the mid to late rounds of this draft? And can you get enough assets trading down from your first rounder uh, that allows you to have that flexibility to do so? That's the big question. You know, the another question I keep considering, and part of this is there's such a small sample size. I'm not expecting this guy to be a number one receiver, but tight end Will Disley is someone who who did make a big impact, uh, was the leader in receiving yards and touchdowns right. through the, was it four weeks, three weeks the, that yeah, he played three, about? Yeah, three weeks, yeah. Um, so obviously there's there's a lot left to be determined with him. The team is very excited about him. Um, dealt with a uh, torn patellar tendon, got surgery to repair that this offseason. That's already a really difficult injury to come back from, but is yes. that uh, another angle that you could explore there? Do you explore uh, having a tight end be more involved in your passing game or having your running backs be more involved in your passing game? If you're already using them and you're a run-first team, yeah. why not make them as versatile as you can? It, it, you bring up really good points here. Uh, let's start with the tight end position. I think I think between Will Disley, if he can come back healthy, Ed Dixon, and Nick Vanette, I believe that's a pretty solid group right there. And can you get them more involved into the passing game? I believe you can, and I think they're very capable of doing so. And, and Will was just an incredible surprise. He looked like he was going to be the next Zach Miller for the Seahawks and, and really be a major contributor through the passing game as well as the running game. Uh, and I believe that he can still make those contributions depending on his health. Uh, from a running pack standpoint, I believe that 
I don't know about Rashad Penny in terms of his ability to catch the football, but I've heard nothing but great things about Chris Carson and that Mm -hmm. he could absolutely expand his role if given the opportunity. And that's where I talk about, you know, Chris Carson taking on another step and another evolution of his game and Rashad Penny uh, there, there's a lot riding on him to be able to step up with the playbook and his level of play uh, so that they can be a little bit more versatile. So if they can't replace those guys, Stacy, if they can't find another you know, legit third receiver that they feel good about, then you have to find a different way and get your tight ends more involved and get your running backs involved. And I believe that they have guys that can definitely be contributors. It'll certainly be interesting to see whether they do and how they diversify that offense. Coming up next, we're going to break down a big if true rumor that has to do with a tight or a tight end that has to do with a player that's been linked to the Seahawks uh, at least last year. Is that going to be a reunion? I don't know. We'll see. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to another Seattle Sports at Night. We've still got some interesting free agency rumors. Yeah, we do. We're diving deep today. That's the thing. You thought it was over. <laughs> you thought it was done, but it's not. And that brings us to today's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did he say that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Today's Big If True comes from NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal. He joined Bob Braz and Tom earlier today on 710 ESPN Seattle to talk about where he thinks free agent defensive tackle and Dominican Sue could land. He said Sue would be a good fit for the Seahawks. So he ranked uh, a couple of the free agents that are still out there, um, like the big names that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And he said what team would be a best fit for each of those. So he said that it would be Seattle. And that was in his article on NFL.com. So then he appeared on Bob Graz and Tom. And what he said really stood out to me. So he implied that Sue is currently interested in the Seahawks, that he's trying to find a contender. Oh, they were in on him last year. And so that that's where it started was they showed interest before he signed with the Rams. You know, they have two good um, young defensive tackles and Jaron Reed and Puna Ford. But to me, Sue's a little bit more of a pass rusher. He fit nicely in a rotation. You can put him at defensive end sometimes, like the Rams. He just kind of fits with the high-pedigree veterans that that the Seahawks seem to like to go for. So the 32-year-old Sue spent last season uh, with the L.A. Rams, um, and he was rumored to have been interested in Seattle. They were kind of entertaining that offer. I think he might have come up here for a workout and a meeting. Uh, Ultimately, they just couldn't reach the right number. Is that number going to go down this year? Yeah. I don't know. That, that's the thing is, is that with Indominic and Sue, when you talk about where he fits on this team and you talk about the talent, yeah, I, I would love to have Indominic and Sue on this team uh, for multiple reasons. One, he he's a an incredible defensive tackle that can uh, be a force in the run game and uh, in the passing game. And along, you know, you have that combination of Aaron Donald and Indominic and Sue last year. It was pretty effective. And now you have Indominic and Sue and Jaron Reed. That can be a very dominant uh, combination along with Puna Ford. Uh, and, and like Rosenthal said, is that he can, you know, every now and then he could go out the defensive end spot and rush the passer. I don't know if the Seahawks would do that with him very much, but uh, that is a possibility. Uh, so from that standpoint, I like it. 
The other thing that I'm concerned about is Indominus Kinsu, over the last little bit of his career, there have been questions about his effort. Mm-hmm. You know, the effort like that dedication. he gives. Yeah, his dedication, yeah. his effort that he has given on a, a consistent basis, you know, every down. Uh, and so do you want a guy like that on your roster? I don't know. Uh, I think he has great production, but I don't want to see a guy out there, uh, you know, taking plays off and, you know, and then, you know, gearing up on certain plays. I want him, I want a guy that's, you know, willing to match the culture that, that Pete Carroll has. And, and I think that uh, maybe it might be a great fit that way that Pete Carroll can unlock that from in Dominic and Sue with the energy that he brings and the expectations he has for his guys. Uh the 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 real final question for me is this is this even a possibility is this something that right. Dominic and Sue financially that the Seahawks could even pull off does he even want to uh, comp or you know consider taking a lesser deal to play with Seattle that's well, my and how question. much of this is just kind of what happens around free agency or the draft or any time of the year where there's just not regular football is that everyone mocks people places and they hypothesize where someone could go how much of it is just thinking well, that would make sense. I mean, he's still out there and they need a pass rush. And how much of this is Ndamukong Sue literally seeing a team like Seattle, thinking of them as a, as a serious landing spot because he thinks they're a contender um, and thinks he would fit in there? And how much of that interest is on Seattle's side? They've only got about $15 million in cap space right mm-hmm. now. Obviously, that changes um, depending on whether you do a different deal for Frank Clark. His $17 million franchise tag is uh, counting against that cap cap right now. So if you reach a long-term deal, that'll change. Um, and obviously that happens too with uh, any other extension with Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner. So that's not a set number, but it's not a big number. Yeah. And I don't know how much room they could afford because they've still got some guys to look for. We just talked about issues at wide receiver that they're going to need to add depth there. Whether that's in the draft or not, you still have to pay draft picks. Yeah. That's something to consider, too. Um, can they afford a top-tier uh, defensive lineman? And Domikinsu is 32 this year. Um, he He's on the older side, but he's not going to come cheap either way. Rosenthal said there might still be some interest on the Seahawks' side based on how he could fit into their defensive line. Oh, they were in on him last year, and so that that's where it started, was they showed interest before he signed with the Rams. You know, they have two good... Um, Young defensive tackles and Jaron Reed and Puna Ford, but to me, Sue's a little bit more of a pass rusher. He fit nicely in a rotation. You can put him at defensive end sometimes, like the Rams. He just kind of fits with the high pedigree veterans that that the Seahawks seem to like to go for. Which is true. Yeah, it makes it makes They've a lot. Of, after those guys, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Uh, just looking at some numbers here from a cap standpoint, when you add the draft picks, let's say the Seahawks draft out of the first round, the the the. For this year, you're going to be around four point five five million dollars mm-hmm. that you're losing out on the you know paying the draft picks that you're going to acquire. Uh, we haven't even talked about free agency yet, right? right? So you're going to be looking around. I would say um, you, you tack off you know the seventeen million dollars that they currently have. You're probably going to tack off around uh, I'd say eight million dollars uh, out of all of those, maybe around seven. And so then when you're playing with those contracts, now you have to be very, very selective with the additional signings that you're going to make. And in Dominic and Sue, we can sit here and say, in my perspective, is in Dominic and Sue made $14 million last year. His career earnings is like $138 million mm-hmm. uh, over the lifespan of his career. 
Uh, he's at a point where he's not going to get a multi-year deal, like Rosenthal said. And is he willing to take a one-year deal at around you know five, seven million dollars? I don't know. Here's what I want to know. Because he's a polarizing figure. This isn't someone that's just kind of this like benign, no one has issues with. We've certainly right. heard people speak out about him before. His talent's undeniable. Um, there are people uh, that are big proponents and then people that have had issues with him. Mm-hmm. Even if he comes in on an affordable deal, a cheap deal, one that you don't even know why he's making this deal, do you want him here? I, I It just depends. It depends on how what we're able to do with the draft. You know, if we're able to... And this was a this was a discussion that I got in with Bob Grouse and Tom is like, look, I, and I posed this question to them is, you know, you're talking about Indominic and Sue. If you had Ziggy Ansa, Justin Houston, or Indominic and Sue out of those three guys, which one do you want to take? Mm. Right? Like, do you want to take a defensive tackle or do you want a edge rusher? What which you know of those three guys or those two positions are you? Uh, wanting to give up that money for edge rusher, yeah, and to me it's edge rusher, right? Um, but if you're able to get a guy like Indominic Kinsu and you feel like he can be a major contributor and difference maker for you, uh, then then I'm for it. But uh, if I had my druthers, it would be going after a Houston or or a Ziggy Ansah. That's the thing is is to me this would only be a good deal. And again, I'm not denying that he would help, but it would only be a good deal if the price was right. And those other guys weren't available. If you're going to shell out money Correct. and you're going to make that big move that everyone wasn't expecting you to make, is this who you want to make that move for? Um, you've got a defensive tackle that performed really well for you last year, Jaron Reed. Um, you've got a defensive tackle that you found in uh, undrafted rookie free agent Puna Ford, um, who had some really promising moments. Yeah, it's It's a position of need, but like you said, you would focus on that edge rusher. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a position where you need someone to help balance out Frank Clark. It was wonderful that Jaron Reed for the Seahawks had so many sacks, but ideally your (laughs) defensive tackle would not be responsible for holding up half of your pass rush. Um, So, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Coming up next, we're going to answer your questions for ask us anything. If you have Seahawks questions, Mariners questions. I'm not promising my answers will be great. (laughs) Questions about anything at all. What we ate for breakfast. Someone yesterday texted in, and I didn't ask this during Ask Us Anything because it was just a random question, asked us how tall we were because I think we were joking about riding rides at theme parks. Yes. And I almost responded and said, we're both 5'2". How dare you? Don't Don't you put that curse on me. That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacey Rost. He's Jake Heaps. Don't forget you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. This is my favorite part of the show. My favorite part, every night, Monday through Thursday. We just get to learn a lot about each other. I get so pumped for Ask Us Anything. <laughs> text the Coors Light text line at 710-710. It's time to ask us anything. I've got some good questions here already, and I'm really excited. The first one is um, is actually one that, so I have, I have two already that I see. One is from the other day mm-hmm. when... I asked Curtis about it, but I know that you have a story that you want to share, and I really want to hear it. <laughs> have you ever been arrested? Okay. No, I've never been arrested, but uh, there was one moment that uh, in high school, 
you know, we were very strict about not drinking in high school and all that, especially our football team, because it was like we, we were going to we were going to well the <laughs> law first of all, but you know it happens in high school at different points in time, and and you know kids are dumb and make dumb choices. Uh, but it was after our state championship game on my senior year, and uh, we had just won three straight state titles, and it was just it was incredible, and you know there was a huge party going on, and so um, I I went I always to those to those parties I never I, I I've never drank in my life nothing so I usually just showed up said hi to everybody and then and then left yeah. right well I show up and I'm getting on my way out the door and the cops show up. Uh, whoever was the genius Yikes. decided to throw this party in a in a, in the middle of a neighborhood where the houses are just right next to each other. Oh, so like no. noise complaints, the whole deal. Like it was so bad, and and so the cops are ready to arrest everybody. Okay, everybody, and everybody's hiding out in the house. Uh, it, it was bad news all over the place, and and I stepped out and was talking to the officer and was like, look, I'm. I, I'm sober. I'm the only one like that's probably sober <laughs> I'm gonna here. I'm going to set this straight like, right away. Yeah, like just so you know, is there any way that we can avoid this conference, you know, any any way we can avoid this whole thing, you know, trying to talk talk our way out some of this Some sense. Thing. Just- yeah, some common sense here, you know, that type of stuff, and, and was able to talk the police officer into letting everybody go as long as they called uh, their parents and, and picked them up within the next 30 minutes. Yeah, and so uh, saved everybody from pretty much getting arrested. I saved them and uh, added to the, uh, I guess you know, legend in high school of not just playing football, but you know, saving everybody's hide uh, <laughs> at a, at a party at an after party. So that was a pretty funny story that guys that I see forever. They're like, "Oh man, you saved me!" Yeah, Thank never you. forget. Well, never now forget their it. answer to this is no. That's right. And when they exactly. say, "Have you ever been arrested?" They're going to be like, "Yeah, my friend Jake showed up and he was just talking to the cop, <laughs> and he said, "Yo." You know, can we get 30 minutes to That's clear right. out? So Thank, Thankful for the sober guy. Jake made a bargain. That's right. I told Curtis mine was uh, not having been arrested, but the only like big, it's not even, I mean, it's illegal, but it, it isn't like exciting legal. And it was, I was driving a friend's car. I've already told this story, but I was mm-hmm. driving a friend's car and um, I hadn't driven it before. So I wasn't super familiar with it. And I'm at UW outside the IMA, which is their gym. So there are pay stalls. So I pull into the parking lot, get in a stall. I get out to go pay, walk back to the car. I'm clicking the unlock button. It's not unlocking. (laughs) And I'm like, great. I've locked myself out of her car. Yeah. So I keep clicking it and I can hear it like, um, like I can hear it clicking, but it's not opening. Yeah. So I realized that the back door is unlocked. So I open the back door. The car alarm starts going off. It's so embarrassing. I'm right outside the athletic building where you have like a, like administrative yeah. people in there are probably all looking at me because it's the middle of the day, but the middle of the work day. It's like yeah. 930 right now. And I'm mortified. I climb into the back seat. I climb to the front and I sit down and then I look over to my left and I realize that I've climbed into the car next to my friend's car. I have parked next to a very similar looking car. I have just climbed into someone else's car who had their back seat unlocked. Be safe. Right. And so I just climbed back out. The car alarm went off again. I 
I had already paid for my parking ticket, but I left. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm not staying. I This is so mortifying. And now I have all this adrenaline because I've already been embarrassed. And right. then I realized that I've just broken into someone's car. Wow. I'm just saying, wow, don't, Stacey, don't park that... next to similar looking cars. You'll confuse yourself. And maybe get arrested. I know. All right. This is from the 206. What would be the worst fictional world to live in? So I would take this as what would be the world when you're watching a TV show or reading a book or watching a movie that you think mm-hmm. I would never, I would die in a day. Yeah, uh, I, I think the one that comes to mind for me right away is Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, like, that's a good that, one. That is a world that I want no part of. No. Nope. First off, uh, what middle, if you're a Hobbit? Middle Earth in that time, like I want electricity. Uh, I want yeah. lights. I I want phone. And I don't want, I want sorcery. That's right. I don't want sorcery. I don't want elves. I don't want these evil people coming after no. orcs. Like, I got no time for that. No, it's cool in theory, but no, that's a hard pass. Exactly. You could sit here and say, or you can you can imagine yourself, uh, you know, being one of the better characters, you know, uh, Legolas or Aragorn or But even or then, Gandalf, you're, like, fighting like, for your life Exactly. Constantly. Like, they're, they're, they almost died multiple times. So, no, I'm I'm all good. I can watch that. I think it's cool. Yeah. But I, I don't want any part of it. I just think of what brings me the most joy. Um, and I don't know if it's being a millennial, which I'm not ashamed of. It is what it is. But this is stereotypical. I truly get a lot of joy from sitting on my couch, watching reality TV, and while I have reality TV on, being on my phone. There's nothing <laughs> like it. It's amazing. Sometimes I have my laptop open too, so I can. You're texting on your phone, maybe yeah. you're shopping online on your laptop, and then you've got reality TV in the background. It's wonderful. Yeah. One place I could never do this for much the same reason: the Game of Thrones world, Westeros, mm. would be awful. But you love it, though. I love Game of Thrones. It might be my favorite show. I'm obsessed with it. There's a countdown in our office of days until the show is 26, and <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case you were wondering, and I. But for the same reason, I don't want to live there. There are dragons, which burn people to death, and no one can control them except for this woman who sometimes can't control them. Yeah. There are wars. Everyone's starving. The queen is insane, and she's married to her brother. Well, she's not. But the whole thing is just messy and gross and insane, and there, there's all kinds of things I don't want to deal with. I don't like it. Oh, my god. don't want it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. We're, we're kind of in the same place. Like We just told – we just – you know, knights and Middle Ages and weird sorcery and well, yeah, dragons. Like, and, if I could get no, thank you. kind of cool things, but within modern times. Like, that's why Harry Potter would be cool. Because yeah. magic exists in that world, but so does the internet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. So do, like, comfy beds and TVs. All right. From the 425, what scent can you instantly recognize that always makes you smile? Okay. So... It makes this scent makes me smile not because I thoroughly enjoy it, but because it's a funny time in my life. I feel like that's okay? how it usually is. So, whenever I get the whiff of Love Spell Victoria's Secret oh Love God. Spell perfume, I already know this. It is the I always get a I always put a smile on my face because it is the funniest time because that's like middle school. Yep. Uh, girls now like kind of for the first time are, are getting perfume, you know, high school. For any young person, your school hallways smelled like this. You, yes. Every hallway. Everywhere you went. Just reeked of love spell perfume. And it was just like, how does this, 
like I don't know if it, you sprayed it on maybe one time. Oh, I certainly or had it. If they douse themselves, no, it's it when smelled, you're young, oh you spray it gosh. all over because most of it was a body spray. Yeah. So some people would literally douse their stuff with it. Oh. And it was awful. Like I look smelled back, like that. I know. I look back and I'm mortified. But it's it's kind of like Axe body spray, but for women. Yes. That version of it 100%. because it was when you walk down the hallways at high school and you're like. There is too much Axe body spray. I feel like I walked through a cloud. But it's because teenagers don't know how to apply cologne or perfume. That's right. Well, I felt that as a male looking at a female, you think of Axe body exactly. spray. I think of Love Spell perfume. It's the same thing. It, Both are obnoxious. That's right. It was unbelievable. And it was so funny because, you know, you're at that time where everybody's trying to impress each other. You're finding. You're like, how do things. I do this? Yeah. Give them migraines. That's right. Give them migraines. Make me want to leave the room. <laughs> That's how you impress me. Mine would be, um, mine Mine isn't funny. I actually really like that one. Mine would probably be the scent of chlorine. I was on, I okay. did swim when I was in high school. I was yeah. really bad. Um, but there's something just calming about it. Like, do you ever feel that way? I can't say uh, anyone would like the scent of a locker room, but is there yeah. something about um, like football or sports when, it, like I know Lydia has talked about this, that uh-huh. sometimes like, a leather smell or whatever, if you're talking about a baseball mitt or something, yeah. it just makes you happy. Yeah, usually when you talk about smells in football and in locker rooms, it's that's generally what I'm not good. It's a bit different than smelling chlorine. <laughs> yeah. I did a very it's, clean sport. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it didn't really smell all that great, so maybe not the locker room Can smell. Can you imagine someone being like, oh, man, Jake, don't you just miss the, the smell of the locker the room? sweaty shoulder pads. Don't you miss and- it? Oh, yeah. No, I, I can't get on board with that. I would but, take Love Spell over but, that. Uh, yes, 100%. As, as nauseating as, as it was, yes, I would take that all day, every day. But right now, chlorine, I'm on board with it because it's really fun because Jackson right now is in swimming lessons. Aww. So watching him do the swimming lessons is hilarious because you know he's trying new things, and then yeah. there's some things that the instructor asks him to do that he wants no part of or that, you know, like, for example, they have – they have this technique called ice cream scoops. You're trying to do ice cream scoops with your arms in the water. And he'll do it for like three paddles and then yeah. he's done. done. And I'm and tired. he's still got like a whole pool left. <laughs> and you're trying to encourage him. He's like, I, I, I'm done. I've tapping done it. Out. I'm, I'm, yeah, tapping out. Just I'm done. lays on his back. That's right. So it's just really funny like watching that style. right now. All right. That'll do it for us tonight. Don't forget, you can hear the Mariners' second game to close out that series against the A's right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Pre-game is at 1.30 a.m. Play-by-play starts at 2.35, and you can hear the replay tomorrow at 6.25 p.m. Do we need to bring Lydia on again? I think we do. <laughs> Lydia needs to come on again. We, and hopefully Lydia, will join you for another Seattle Sports at Night right after that. Until then, thanks for hanging out with us tonight and for tuning in to 710 ESPN Seattle.